It's so good. Well, the song says, the devil learns from our mistakes even if we don't. See, the song is reminding us that there's something bigger than what we can see. And that's what we're talking about today. This series has been all about God likes you. And we've looked at, well, how this letter to the Ephesians, written by Paul, he was writing to people who follow Jesus, and he said, I want you to pass this around to others who follow Jesus, and it's been passed us all these years later. And it's talking about what it's like, this new identity. Once you start following Jesus, it changes your identity, who you are. In Christ is how we now live our life. Our identity rooted in who our creator says we are, connected to the source of power and life. And as a result, we overcome. You see, you and I were created for a relationship with God. He genuinely likes you. He knows you, accepts you, and wants to do life with you. But we live in a broken world, and as a result, evil hates you. And actually, there are forces that are hard to explain, that we cannot see, that want to keep you from this relationship with God. Let me share a story that illustrates how evil works. There's a man named Robert Hansen who grew up the son of an abusive police officer in Chicago. His father emotionally and physically beat him. He longed for his dad's approval, but all he got was derision and pain. He learned to hide his emotions. Eventually he grew up and he became an FBI agent to prove his worth, that he was better than his dad. But unfortunately his colleagues would mock him for his lack of social agility. He felt like an outsider, always being overlooked never promoted. There was a study done on how, back in the 70s and 80s, the Soviets would turn someone into a spy. And it's not like you think. They didn't show up wearing a trench coat and sunglasses. They actually would would meet someone in intelligence, and they would ask them to do something innocuous, something easy. They would ask for, like, an office directory. And the CIA agent would think nothing of it. They're being offered money for something that's available to the public, so they would do it. Next, they would ask for something a little bit more than just something that's available to the public, but with a lot more money. And, and the CIA agent would just justify it. Well, you know, this, it's really not, nothing's top secret in this, and, and I can help my family with it. And eventually... It, progressed to the point where they were being asked for top secret information and even confidential information. We're not sure if that's what exactly happened to Robert, but eventually in 2002, Robert Hansen was convicted of treason and is known as the most devastating spy in U.S. history. The information that he provided over was sold for over $1.4 million by him to our enemies over 15 years And it's probably what Osama bin Laden used to avoid detection on September 11th. His deception caused the deaths of other spies, revealed the most devastating secrets from our government. And along the way, Robert Hansen felt justified. In fact, he was known as a moralist among his coworkers, often chastising them for immoral behavior. He himself attending weekly mass in confession thinking that this money he was using for his kids so 
it could be justified. See, that's what evil does. It, it, it attaches itself to a lie that we begin to believe and it actually grows and grows, becoming more and more devastating and destructive. Often the result of evils done to us growing up, these lies, these triggers, these wounds can be the places that evil grows. And that's why this next series we're about to do is called God Heals You. And I want to just give you a glimpse of that. Watch this video. Abuse is an all too common story in our world. Many want to be healed, but these hurts lie hidden and even shamed in our society. Even if we haven't experienced this type of wound, we know or live with others who have. We can't escape the effects. Sometimes we try to throw band-aids on the pain we or others are experiencing, but God wants us to look at the heart. So how can we discover the wholeness that God has for us? And once experiencing it, how can we share it with those around us? So come as you are and join us for this series, hearing how some have found the kind of healing God wants for us all. See, oftentimes um, when evil is done to us, it, it hurts. And then we begin to believe lies about ourselves that aren't true. And as we talk about often here, hurt people can hurt people. But we can find healing. But it, the way that evil works is it takes these painful moments and, and they use, it uses it as like a trigger. We become prone to other lies. Lies trying to prove our worth. Trying to have our deepest needs met in all the wrong ways. Looking for safety and security to be loved and accepted. But when we're deceived by the lie, it just hurts us and hurts others along the way. And so Paul is warning his friends in Ephesus that there are evil forces bent on destroying you, deceiving you, hurting you. And so look at Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. It says this, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, anytime we talk about this unseen realm, for some of you, you might just want to check out, and it's not something you believe in. But I want you to stay open-minded for a moment, just because maybe that's part of how evil has worked in history is deceiving us into thinking that it doesn't exist. Uh, but in a book by a historian, professor of history at the University of California, Santa Barbara, called Radical Evil and the Power of Good in History, Jeffrey Burton Russell chronicled the history of evil through nearly every culture and society, past to present. See, there's no denying it. Evil is a force that humanity has had to grapple with since the beginning. And evil is real, it's very disturbing. And we know it when we see it. And, and rather than showing pictures of evil, rather than going through atrocities that we all know as evil, let me just remind us that you know when evil exists when it happens to you. It's undeniable. 
And so Jesus says this of this evil force that wants to destroy. He says in John 8, he has always hated the truth, talking about Satan, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with the character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. See, the lie, the deception is the power of evil. And for some of us, when you think of the devil or Satan, we, it conjures up these cartoon images of a red devil with a pitchfork. And maybe that's part of the clever deception of evil, to ignore this enemy. And actually, those images come from the Middle Ages. They're not what the Bible describes. The scriptures describe this unseen battle between angels and demons, and led by them is this Satan, the accuser. It's, it's hard to understand. They cannot be seen, but evil exists. In fact, Jeffrey Russell uh, says it this way. He notes that evil's impact is greater now, not less. And whether one believes in a satanic force bent on mass destruction or not, the realization that groups of normal humans can be led to the mass destruction of others. He says this, the suggestion that Jesus' belief in Satan was merely part of a primitive worldview poses serious difficulties. The notion that the first century was a benighted age, not as enlightened as ours, compared with our century is more, or is mere ethnocentrism shifted to time. See, we can see evil in the ways that the world functions. We can see it even how the number one reason 911 is called is because of domestic violence. Even in our homes where love should rule, we do violence towards the ones we love. And so that's why it says in the scriptures, be strong in the Lord, verse 10 of Ephesians 6, and in his mighty power for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Rulers, authorities, powers of evil, referred to in like a hierarchy, a government of evil. Now, when we say things like Adolf Hitler murdered millions, in reality, it was his evil hierarchy, his government, and those who followed the Nazi way of life. Satan is not God's equal opponent, by the way. He's just an angel ruling fallen angels who deceive and seek to destroy because they turned eternally from God, the only source of light, life, and love. But Satan is not the only source of evil. There are corruptions in society, poverty, injustice. But at the root of all evil is the choices that humans make to go against God's ways. Jeffrey Burton points out the problem of evil is the line between good and evil runs through every human heart. He says it this way. As none of us has a life in which no evil befalls him, none of us has a life in which he does no evil. At least part of the answer to the question of evil lies within me. Now there's something horrifying about that, but also beautiful about that. That means with God's help, we can do something about the evil within and the evil without. We do not have to be subjugated to evil with God's help. We can be forgiven, we can live in the light of truth and we can overcome evil. But Ephesians 6 says several important things. First, our struggle is not against each other. It says right there, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Now we are fallen, hurting people who hurt people trying to do our best. But in our pride, we think the other person is our enemy. 
that they're out to get us. But we have to remember this is actually, at its core, a spiritual issue. If you find yourself in an argument at work with your boss or at home with a roommate or your spouse, I want you to try something. Right in the middle of the argument, I want you just to have this thought. We are not enemies. You might even want to say it out loud, depending on the tone you use. <laughs> but you know what? We're not enemies, right? Instead, we're on the same side. Let's sit down. Let's figure this out. As we talk through that series, Triggers, oftentimes we're not arguing about what's happening in the moment, we're arguing about what's happened in the past. But if we were to realize that people are not our enemy, that the enemy is our enemy, that evil is our enemy, it's a spiritual struggle. So think even now, who are you upset with in your life right now? Think of that person. Maybe they've hurt you, that's, that's why you're frustrated with them. Or, or maybe they did something which revealed they're taking you for granted. Or maybe they annoy you. Or maybe they have accepted a job you don't think they deserve, but, but you do. Or maybe they keep making decisions that you dislike. I, I want you to think of them and remember this. They're not your enemy. Bitterness is your enemy. Gossip is your enemy. Rage is your enemy. Evil is your enemy. See, hurt people hurt people. And we don't have to become the victims, but we can transcend our worst moments and the worst moments of others with God's help. Now, the second thing we should realize is that there are deceitful schemes going on, strategies and traps that we can fall into. Just consider what evil can do if it can get us to believe its lies. Just think, if evil can convince you that someone is not created in the image of God or doesn't have the same value as you do, or if you start to look down on other people, it wouldn't take long before you're okay with evil happening to that person that's less than human, or even being a part of that evil. I mean, we can go through history and, and see so many examples of genocide, unjust war, the trail of tears, Af the African slave trade, the Holocaust, when people are seen as less than, evil begins to take root. Because the scriptures say that every human being was created in the image of God, that God loves humanity, that he loves all nations. But we have to ask ourselves, do we look down on other people? People who live on the streets, people who have mental health issues, struggle with addiction, do we look down on people who are poor? Or do we look down on people who are rich? Do we look down on people who vote differently than us or look differently than us or make different decisions than we would make? See, people are not our enemy. Evil makes a lie seem true and our actions stem from that lie. And so the lie might be something like the future is hopeless. And if you begin to believe that, then you can see how you might move towards self-harm or even consider suicide. Or if you begin to believe the lie that all your problems are rooted in your spouse and his or her behavior, and that if, if they would just change, then everything would get better, you can see how that could easily lead to the end of your family. When you believe the lie that just one more drink, just one more hit, no, no one else is going to be hurt by this. You can begin to see the trajectory of your life when it's just one more but it isn't that. 
The power of evil can get us to believe these lies. But the third thing, and this is most important, is that we are not powerless. That we can be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Notice in the Lord or in Christ in this passage, just like it's been throughout this series as we looked at Ephesians. But last week, we we looked at this one little verse, and it's kind of an odd verse, but it helps us remember how to rely on God's power. It says this, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk on wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, when we're drunk, we've given control of our mind and our body over to the spirits. But instead, we need to give God leadership of our heart and our mind to be led instead by the spirit of God. And when we give our mind over to God's spirit to confront the darkness of lies, he turns on the light, the light of God's truth, which displaces the the darkness and the lies within. When Deborah and I moved to Seattle, we were part of a, a church plant and we did this big event. One of the first things we did to start this church is we had a choir from Dallas sing at Green Lake Park. I discovered quickly people in Seattle don't care for choirs from Dallas. (laughs) But there was one particular young man that expressed interest in having a spiritual conversation. And so I got together with him. His name was Sylvain. He was from Southeast Asia. And as we began to talk, I I asked him if he would like uh, to know more about following Jesus. And he said he did. And after hearing his story, uh, his spiritual journey, I told him mine. And, And I ended my sharing with would you like to follow Jesus as I have? And he said, yes, but the voices tell me not to. Now I was taking classes in seminary, and at this point, and even after I graduated, there was no classes about this topic. <laughs> and I remember all sorts of classes, but never, you, how do you help someone who has voices tell them no, right? And so having never done an exorcism and never really ever wanting to, I wasn't sure what to do. So I reached out to a pastor who had had this experience, and I discovered he was also the chaplain for the Seahawks. So I thought, this is perfect. We'll get rid of the voices, and I'll get two free tickets. This is perfect. (laughs) Uh, Honestly, I wasn't even thinking that. I was so horrified by this experience, so anxious about this experience, that when we got together, and it was remarkable and horrifying, and the sounds and the words he was saying, it was like a different person. It was very, very scary. And I wish I could tell you that it was kind of like in the movies. It all ended and he was all better, but that's not how it went down. But instead, he continued to meet with me and eventually I encouraged him to to not, he doesn't have to listen to the voices and to start following Jesus. And so he did. And he kept hearing these voices and I encouraged him to keep taking his medication. He had a diagnosis and a psychiatrist. And I was smart enough to say, yes, keep doing that but also started to share with him ways that, that he could overcome these, these voices. And I equated it to the evil thoughts that we all have, the dark thoughts that pop into our minds. And I just described what to do when you have a lustful thought or when you have a, a, this angry thought or bitterness that creeps in, and it's just taking every thought captive. And so every time the voices would start to speak, he would take them captive. And he would just quote scripture. In fact, every time these voices would come, it was his reminder to start praying again, to reconnect to God. Now, something amazing happened. Over the next several months, the voices got quieter and quieter. And eventually, 
He was told by his psychiatrist he didn't need the medication anymore. Last I heard, he was a youth leader at his church in the Seattle area. Isn't that amazing? But it was saying yes to Jesus and allowing the light to get rid of the darkness, saying yes to the little things and being faithful in those things and not giving up. Recently, uh, not too long ago, if you guys remember the Imagine Heaven series, one of our neighbors came and she told me she had just lost her husband. And she said, I'm coming to your church for the Imagine Heaven series and I'm never coming back. I said, oh, that's fine. Come on, you're welcome, right? And so she started coming and she was there every week. And a few months later, my wife was having breakfast with her and she shared this kind of remarkable story. Although she's still in this journey and hasn't really grabbed a hold of faith quite yet, there was one day when she was coming home and she walked into her house and she lives all alone with her four chihuahuas. So I guess that's the complete opposite of being alone. But she walks into the house and, and all of a sudden she, she cannot walk any further. She just felt this, this presence, this darkness that just was really horrifying to her. And she didn't know what to do. The dogs were freaking out even more than normal chihuahua freak out. And so in that moment, just thinking back to that series that she was with us, the only thing she thought she could do, she just started saying the name of Jesus. Jesus. Jesus? <laughs> Help me, Jesus. And she says she can't explain it. She's not sure why this would happen, but suddenly whatever she was feeling was gone. See, even people without faith can tell you there is darkness, but there's also light. See, you and I are not powerless. When we say yes to following Jesus, the light can come into our hearts and expel the darkness, can undo evil, and we can become forces of bringing that light into our dark world, replacing the behaviors that we've struggled with with a new way of living life. Now, Plato wrote about evil and said it is not a something but the lack of something. Just like darkness is the absence of light, like a lie is the absence of truth, evil is the absence of God's presence and God's ways. Evil tries to creep into our lives through the decisions that we make and the decisions that others have made, and it affects us. But when we say yes to Jesus, his light can help overwhelm that darkness. Listen to these passages, things that Jesus said. John 3, the light from heaven came into the world, but they loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. Or in this one, John 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, evil is metaphorically equated to darkness. It's the absence of God's light, God's goodness, the light of God's ways that leads us towards true life. And because of this, evil has nothing good to offer us at all. In fact, evil takes something good, a gift from God, and it twists it into a way that God never intended, deceiving us. And we may think it's more pleasurable, but it's actually more harmful and terribly destructive. And we're prone to evil's lies when God is not at the center motivating us towards the life that he's called us, created us to live. And evil preys on our fears, our insecurities, our need to belong, to be valued. It preys on our instincts for food or sex or drink or thrill. It's incredibly 
deceptive, and that's its power. So once you reveal the truth, the light expels the darkness. Perhaps a next step for you to consider is just praying something simple like this. God, is there anywhere I'm being deceived? Show me. Paul spells out for the Ephesian church how some of the practices they'd fallen into are deceptions and schemes to rob them of life ultimately. Ephesians 5, he writes to these believers in Ephesus, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things that these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. It's important to hear what he's saying. He's talking to people who follow Jesus, and he's saying, look, you don't have to live that way anymore. You are now people of the light. Don't just slip back into the darkness where you can trip, where you can get hurt, where you're hurting other people. That's not who you are anymore. And see, the way that the enemy works is try to condemn you, tries to make you think that your identity is rooted in the bad decisions you've made, but that's not your identity. You may have lied, but you're not a liar. You may have committed adultery, but it doesn't mean you're forever an adulterer. You may have stolen, but it doesn't mean you're a thief. You see, when you say yes to Jesus, you are forgiven. You are made new. That may be what you've done. It may even be what you struggle with now, but your identity is not what you've done. It's not even who you are. It's whose you are. A child of the king, the one who came for you and me to rescue us. But the problem is when we forget our identity, we are deceived into thinking things are no big deal. Or deceived into thinking, well, this won't hurt anybody. There was a time where Peter, a leader in the church, in fact, he was given one of the coolest nicknames. His nickname was The Rock. But there was a time when he started thinking wrongly. He, he, he started having thoughts that were against God's plan. And so at one point, Jesus actually rebukes him and he says to him, get behind me, Satan. He went from the coolest nickname to the worst <laughs> all of a sudden. And Jesus says, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. See, if we don't stay connected to God and his concerns and his ways, our default is to slip back into the ways of the world, which is rooted in evil, an evil that will one day be destroyed. God will make all things right. But in the meantime, Paul says that here's how I want you to fight. Here's how to fight evil. And he describes what's called the armor of God. Verse 13, chapter six. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now it's interesting. Paul literally describes what a Roman soldier would wear. 
And Ricky Eciona, our student pastor, pointed out to me this week that there's nothing to protect the back in this description. And so I looked up the formations of Roman armies. These are drawings. These aren't actual pictures. (laughs) But one thing you'll notice is that you don't need protection on your back when you're in a regiment, when you're in community. So when you and I start following Jesus, we need to include in our life people who follow Jesus that have our back. But you can see they cannot be penetrated by the enemy. And it's fascinating because Paul basically describes the Roman soldiers' outfits, the very people that oppress the people of faith. He's saying, look, our battle is not against them. They are not our enemy. The enemy is the enemy. We're in a spiritual battle. He's saying that the kingdom of God is not advanced through weapons of war, but by love and faith and hope. And what we see is the early church spread because people who were being oppressed would not back down, but they would also not fight. We were invited into a spiritual revolution, not a political revolution. Those come and go. We're invited into something that's changed the world and is changing the world. Something that changes the heart, that brings light into each life and spreads to those around us. We are a part of undoing the evil that's in our world. To fight evil first, we make sure that we're right with God. That's why I put them out of order, but the helmet of salvation first. To be right with God. That's what salvation means. Do you have that relationship with God? Is it built on what you're trying to do to please him? Because that's, that's religious. Or is it built on what he's already done for you? You see, that's a relationship. It's trusting that what... Jesus did living this perfect life and teaching with authority and casting out evil and healing the sick. That when Jesus lived this life and when he willingly went to the cross dying for the sins of humanity to defeat evil and death, that that counts for us. That what Jesus did is what we need. So when we ask Jesus to forgive us, And when we seek to follow him and ask him to lead us, we begin that relationship with him. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 told us that we are saved, we are rescued by grace through faith. That means undeserved love that we say yes to. And the scriptures also tell us this is actually how to live our life, by grace through faith. Every day, surrendering our life, dying to self, allowing him to guide us in every arena of our life. The helmet of salvation. You know that you are his. That you cannot be taken away. But there's also the belt of truth. Jesus said, if you remain in my teachings, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You don't give in to the lies. You don't fall for the deceptions. Community and the scriptures help you hold on to the truth. God giving you the power to resist the lies and walk in truth or the body armor of God's righteousness. When we start hearing the lies, the condemnation that God's disgusted with you and wants nothing to do with you, we're we're believing the lies of condemnation. That's not the spirit of God. That's darkness trying to distract you. When you feel condemned, just remember, just because you had a thought doesn't mean you're gonna act on it. It's not a sin to be tempted. Just because a 
dark thought comes into your mind, use that. Take it captive and remember whose you are. Begin to pray, quote scripture, and walk in the light. And when you mess up, and we will on this side of eternity, we can remember this from 1 John chapter 1. If we say we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. See, this is putting on the body armor of God's righteousness. We are able to stand knowing we are right with God because of what Jesus did for us. We are not condemned. We are made new. And we're to put on the shoes of peace, knowing that we have peace with God we can move forward with every step. And the shield of faith, faith means to trust. That we trust that God has what's best for us in mind. That we can trust him even when he calls us to sacrifice, to let go. That we are always loved. And the sword of the spirit, the only offensive weapon listed is the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. And we see this when Jesus was being tempted by evil. He fought the evil by quoting the scriptures. He knew the truth. And he quoted the scriptures and held on to the truth. See, when you and I say yes to Jesus, everything changes. We now have armor that we just have to keep putting back on. And I want to invite you today. We celebrated baptisms after the first service. And if you're here and you'd plan to be baptized today during the song, just make your way out to the table they'll get you all ready. But I also want to invite some of you, maybe you didn't plan on this, but maybe today you're deciding, you know what? I need what Jesus did on the cross to count for me. I need a relationship with God. That's what I, I've been looking for. If that's you, I want to invite you during the song to go out as well. Or maybe you're here and you've been following Jesus for a while, but you've never declared it publicly. Baptism is a beautiful symbol of what's already happened in your heart, that you have died your old life and you've been raised to walk a new life, that you've been washed clean and made new. So during this song, if that's your next step, just make your way out to the table. We'd love to help you. But for the rest of us, if you're already following Jesus or, or there's things you're holding on to, ask him, what have you been holding on to you need to surrender? Where have you been deceived? Take advantage of this moment so that God's light can fill your heart and life so that as we leave this place, we bring light into the darkness. So during this song, reflect, consider what God has for you as we sing out. Let's stand and sing.